Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for this season. Lord, we thank you for our very lives. Lord, it's only because of you that we are here, Lord. It's only because of you, Lord, that we are in our right minds. It's only because of you, Lord, that you made provisions throughout the week. And for that, Lord, we just want to say thank you, Lord. Lord, you're worthy and you're of the glory, the honor, and the praise. Lord, not for only what you've done, but also because of who you are. Lord, because you are faithful, you are good. Lord, those are, not, those, those are just not things that we say about you, Lord, but they're elemental. They're a part of who you are. And for that, Lord, we just say thank you. Lord, touch us and bless us on this day. Lord, keep us inside your will. Let, Lord, allow the words that are spoken to us today from your word. Guide us in the path that you would have us to take. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. And again, we praise God for each of you who've come to share with us on this morning. We're going to the word of the Lord. I'm excited about what God has to share with us today. We're going to Psalm 42, to the book of Psalms, and we will specifically be looking at Psalm 42. Amen. Why are you looking? Has God been good to anybody out there? Amen. He's been good. Amen. And we're grateful for his goodness and his mercy to us. Psalm 42, and I'm just going to, I have several scriptures here, but we're going to concentrate on the first two, but I'm going to read all five verses into your hearing. Psalm 42 and one reads like this, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I had went with them to the house of God. With the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude, they kept the holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Heavenly Father, Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits in these few moments. Allow your word to press us towards your purpose, to push us towards your promises, and to lead us in the way that you'd have us to go. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you today. I want to talk to you from the thought simply committed. I want to talk to you about the, from the thought committed. And when I look at that, the question that I often ask, and I think I, I learn most by questions, so I often ask a question relative to our topic. And the question I have for you today is, are you as committed, or is your commitment on the same level of your God's investment in you? Is your commitment to God on the same level as his investment in you? Consider what God has invested in you. Consider what God has put, you, put in you. Consider what God has blessed you with. And then I want you to consider, does your commitment match the level of God's investment? When I think of commitment and I think of thirst here in this particular passage, it says the heart the, or, or the deer as it pants for the water brook. It says, so, so, he says, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. What I'm saying to us is, so should our soul be thirsty for God. 
Because when I, when I begin to consider thirst, there are many things that we are thirsty for. But are we truly thirsty for God? Do we truly seek and hunger after God? Because the thing about it like this, um, I, I put it in the terms of a series of jokes by a comedian, Chris Rock. He said that uh, a drug dealer does not have to advertise. In fact, a drug dealer can't advertise because that would help lead the police to his location. Drug dealer does not have to advertise, but yet he still is successful in selling drugs. Why? Because his clientele has a thirst for his product. They are so desperately seeking after his product, even though it's illegal, that they will go and seek after people and definitely certainly talk to shady individuals to find out where they can purchase his product. He doesn't have to advertise because the thirst for his product is so strong, people come and find him. Drug dealer doesn't have to find you. His clients find him because they have such an appetite for his product. Do we have that strong an appetite for God? Do we have such a strong thirst for God? Now, now the difference between the, the drug dealer and, and, and the church is that the church, especially uh, since the pandemic, has become more accessible and available than ever. So many people, you can tune into church and become digital and virtual members of a church. You don't even have to leave the confines of your home. You can, you can participate from your house. I've seen some people even get dressed up. They get dressed up like they're going to church, and, and then they sit on their couch and participate from home. It has become the church and, and availability to God's word has become more available and accessible than has ever been ever, than, I, than, I, than ever, I've ever known it to be. Can you imagine? I, I have to think that Jesus has to be pleased because Christianity has grown from the accessibility of Jesus and the people of his followers had to literally follow him. They literally had to get up and follow him. And now churches have followers that they never see. They never have to leave their home. But yet they're following their material. They're following their content. They're allowing the word to be accessed through the television and through the phone and through other mobile devices. They have access to that. But yet do they have the same thirst? We have the same thirst for God. Because yet, even though it's more available and accessible than ever, there are still millions, I say billions of people, who simply do not have a thirst or an appetite for God. All they have to do is turn on their phone and they won't do it. Because they have no appetite and they have no thirst. It's more accessible than ever. But get this, some of those same people will go through extraordinary means to access other things. That person who won't access the church by their phone, but yet they'll leave the house to pursue after other things, other things of this world. So what I'm telling you, it's not that thirst has been extinguished. It's not that the concept and idea of appetite has been extinguished. The problem is we don't have a thirst and appetite for the right things. People are still thirsty. People still have a strong appetite it's not just for the right things. It reminds me of Jesus when he met the, remember the woman at the well? 
met the woman at the well and she told him, uh, uh, the, the, she told him that she had five husbands. Well, she, first she said she has, she has no husbands. And Jesus said, I, well, you've had five husbands. <laughs> and the one that you're with now is not your husband. This woman obviously had a thirst. She obviously had an appetite. It just wasn't for God. And we, we, we mock this woman, and, and sometimes we laugh at her, but some of us are in a similar situation. Maybe, maybe you didn't have five husbands, but you've had five things that you're more passionate about than God. And they're your thirst. They're, they're the object of your thirst. And they are the object of your appetite. And because you have such a thirst and appetite for those things that you prioritize over God, then God still doesn't come first. God is no higher in your life than he was in the woman of this well who'd had five husbands and was now living with another who was not. Many of us, we've had other husbands. I'm not talking about literal husbands. Figuratively, there are things that we have placed before God. And some of us still, to this day, there are things that we have a greater thirst and appetite than we do for God. Seems like when it comes to the things of God, they have to be more convenient than the things that we truly thirst for. Because soon when you thirst for something, you'll go after it. You will find it wherever it might be. When you're truly thirsty, have you ever had, I think they called it, some people call it a hankering, but you, you were hungering after a particular item and you searched around and these days you can virtually search, but sometimes you used to have to actually search. You had to drive around and find this particular restaurant. I, I want some fish today. I want fried fish. I just got that. That's what I want. So you drive around to all these locations until you find what you want or what you desire. But when it comes to God, it seems like unless it's delivered with convenience, we don't want it. Oh, so some people will only attend church virtually, but they'll go out and do other things. Because with God, they need convenience. But with other things, they'll exude effort. They'll go after it. They'll search for it. And God does not want to be second on your priority list. I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. You shall have no other gods before me, no other priorities before me, no other literal or figurative husbands before me. Because you say a God is a priority, but is God a priority or is God simply a convenience? If it's convenient to, see, to hear the word, if it's convenient to go to church, if it's convenient, then I will go. But if anything else on my priority list happens at that same time, then that's what I'm going to do. Because God is not a priority. He's simply a convenience. And anytime God is a convenience in your life and not a priority, then I'll come to tell you the hard truth is that you're not in relationship with him. Because that's, God doesn't do relationship like that. And neither should you. I think that the, the, one of those relationship gurus, gurus has one of those phrases out there, don't treat someone else like a priority when they only treat you like a convenience. 
How often do we do the same to God? Why should God make us his priority when we only treat him like a convenience? That's not thirsting after God. That's not hungering after God. That's not having a true commitment to God. Because I'll tell you this, watch this, and I see it often with students. Because a lot of times students, particularly this, this generation, if, some, if one bad thing happens, they're ready to give up relative to things that they don't want to do. You tell them they need to do their homework, they, they break their pencil and they're ready to shut down. It's so, it just wasn't meant for me to do. Can't find my paper, uh-oh, that's just a sign. It must not have been intended for me to complete this assignment. Oh, my computer's dead. Yep, see that? There's a sign right there. I, I, should, I shouldn't have to do this work because my computer's dead. Because when it's an inconvenience, when it's something they don't desire, the in, one little thing will trip them up and they give up. But if it's something that they want, well, it's lunchtime. Well, you're going to have to walk to the other side of the school. That's okay. Well, they're not serving your favorite item today. That's all right. I'm hungry. I'll still go. Well, you're going to have to wait in line. Okay, that's fine. I'll wait in line. Because it's something that I desire. It's something that I have a thirst and an appetite for. Some people go with church and be like, they step outside. Ooh, it's a little cold outside. I don't know why us ethnic people do that anyway. You can look on your phone these days and they tell you how cold it is outside. But you know, we got to check, you know, hold on. That's our scientific method. You know, let me step outside and see if it really is 32 degrees. You know, I don't care what the meteorologist said. And then if, it, if it's a little too cold, it's like, mm, I don't know if I can make it to church today. Oh, it's, it's raining outside, boy. It's, that's a lot of rain right there. Sometimes, like today, well, it looks like it's about, it looks like it's about to rain. So I, I don't think I'm going to make it today. And, and what the problem is, not that you don't come in those circumstances. The problem is, is what that's indicative of. It lets me know that it's not a priority. Because I've been to Titans games and it was raining and pouring, and people were still in there cheering. Like, give me a rain jacket. Let's do this. Sit in the rain and the cold for three and a half hours. Because it wasn't a convenience, it was something they had an appetite and a thirst for. And if it truly we have an appetite and a thirst for God, we're willing to go through some adversity to get to where God desires us to be. What do you have a thirst for? What do you have an appetite for? You know what, right now, every Sunday I, I've preached here, we're going on, what, 12 years, 13 years? I've never had to get up and preach and say, I, I hope everybody after you leave, please, please, after you leave church, please don't forget to go eat something. Please, please, please make sure. 13 years of pastor, and I've never had to beg you all to go get something to eat after church. I don't, I don't want you starving, you know. 
want you to make, make sure, please, go get, go get something to eat. Never had to say that. Why? Because I know you have an appetite for it. But yet, pastors and preachers, they got to beg you to come to church. Will you please, please come? You know, advertising services. You know, people forget, you know, you'll forget when church starts, but you won't. Church, our church service has been the same for seven, eight years. But <laughs> we forget when church starts, but they won't forget when the restaurant closes. Now, they're going to close at eight. We better hurry up and order. <laughs> It's it's simply a matter of what you have an appetite for, what you truly hunger for, what you truly go after. And we all have passions, and it's, it's, not, it's not a problem that you I don't have a problem with you eating. You see, I eat. It's not a problem that you eat. The problem is when our passion and our commitment messes with our priority for seeking after God. As much as you love your, your favorite meal, you should love God more than that. The, as much as you love your, your favorite hobby, you should love God more than that. Whatever it is you like to do, some of y'all just like to be at home. As much as you like being at home and sitting in your favorite chair, watching your favorite television show, you should love God more than that. So to the point where if it's a choice between this thing that I favor and Getting closer to God, I should always choose getting closer to God. Always. Because if not, then it is not my priority. If it's not, then that means I don't truly have a passion and a thirst for it. Because when you have a passion and a thirst for it, you're going to go after it. Nobody, like nobody has to remind you to eat after service. Nobody has to remind you to pray. Nobody should have to remind you to read God's word. Why? Because I have a passion and I have a, a thirst for it. We were talking, someone, one of my coworkers, we were talking about uh, listening to audiobooks, and I love audiobooks. One of the things that I, I, I picked up actually last year was uh, audio, it's actually audible.com, and uh, you can play all kinds of streams. and. While I'm there, go ahead and put in a plug. You can find Bright Temple streams on on uh, there and uh, on Spotify. That's what I'm looking for, on, on Spotify. You can find all of our streams from all of our services there on Spotify. But this stream that I listen to on Spotify is Bible in a Year. And the guy goes through a certain passage, and if you listen to each passage every day throughout the year, then you will have heard or read the Bible throughout the year. I was sharing that with somebody, and then I told them I did that last year, and I told them I'm doing it again this year. And they were like, why are you doing it again this year? And then I told them, I said, because I have a passion for reading God's word. I have a passion for hearing his word. That's something, something I have a passion for. In fact, on days, if I miss it, then it's like I feel something's wrong. I missed, that was my time, that was my window, so then I have to pick it up later. Because... I have a passion to go after God's word. God's word doesn't have to find me. I go after it. I go after God's word. And if you truly have a passion for God's word, the only time you hear it should be on Sundays. If, if you have a passion for it, you should, you, should, you should desire and seek after it. 
because it's something that you prioritize in your life. I'm talking about having a real commitment to God. Real commitment starts with a passion and a thirst for the thing that you desire. That's how you're committed to it. You want, you want somebody to be committed to you? Find out somebody that has a passion. A thirst for that person. When I was dating, dating my wife, I had a desire to see and just hear her voice. Some of you all have gotten past that stage, but I still have a desire and a passion to hear her voice, to call her when I can throughout the day, to text her. Because you have to, ought to have a passion and a thirst for that person. And that, that is what engenders commitment. Commitment cannot be forced. Without a thirst and a passion, there is no commitment. There's no commitment without a thirst and a passion for it. And, I, and I'll give you an example. Some of you all, because, because you, might, you might get confused by behavior, Behavior can look like commitment until you get under the surface. Because some of you go to your jobs every day, but you're not committed. And the reason I can, you know the way I can tell you you're not committed? If somebody offered you something that paid a dollar more an hour, you'd be like, Shh. you'd be packing up your stuff. Some of y'all would be telling them what you thought about them. I mean, I, I need I need to stay saved now. Stay saved. Don't be telling them where they can, what they can do with their job either. Y'all stay saved. But I'm, I'm telling you, 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 it looks like commitment because you show up every day. You're on time. You, you, you work until the end of your shift. And it looks like commitment until you get under the surface and see what is driving that commitment. Because if passion's not driving the commitment, you know what else can drive and look like commitment? Fear. The motivation of fear can look like commitment. Some of you all, you drive the speed limit every time you drive. Not because you're committed to following the law, but because you fear the penalty. There's a difference between the motivation of passion and, and thirst and appetite and the motivation of fear. Some of you show up at work every day and you're on time because you fear getting fired. You fear what your life would be out like without that check that you get from that job. Is that real commitment to the job? No. But your behavior is driven by fear. God doesn't want you to follow him because you're scared. God rejects that. How does he reject it? He said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and a love and a sound mind. He doesn't want you to follow him because you're, you're scared of the consequences. Because we told you last week, without faith, it's impossible to please him. He wants your passion. He wants your thirst. He wants your appetite. He wants you to come after him with your passion and with your strength. He wants you to wake up in the morning thinking about how close I need to be to God and how much closer I need to get to him today than I was on yesterday. Maybe also you need to examine your friendships and your relationships because if they're driven by fear and not by passion, commitment, and appetite, then you're not in the right place. You shouldn't be in a relationship because the other person fears of being alone. Ooh, that's, 
we're, we're going to talk about relationships this year. That, that's, that's, a whole, that's a whole other series by itself. But you shouldn't stay with somebody because you're afraid of being alone. You should be with them because you have an appetite and a passion for that person. Because that without appetite, without passion, there's no true commitment. There's living in fear. And baby, I, 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 I refuse to live in fear. I refuse to stay in a relationship that is maintained by fear. I, I refuse to stay in a workplace that's maintained by fear. I, I'd rather go to a place that I have a passion for it than coming because I'm afraid I'm going to get fired. I'm coming because I need this check. I'm not telling you to quit your jobs, but I'm telling you if, you if that's why you're working, then maybe while you still have that job, maybe you look for something else you have a passion for, something that you are truly committed to doing. Because when you're truly committed to doing it, when you have a passion for it, you'll stay up. You, you, they, they say that the, the word, the word that they say there is right. That saying is right. You never work a day in your life because you have a passion for it. You're committed to, I'm talking about when people have a passion for science, they stay up late, all, work all hours of the day and all hours of the night. And somebody has to call them and tell them to stop because they have a passion for it. Like people, I've seen people who work in the music industry who, who are sitting there putting together tracks and they're putting together sounds and, and, and they're not doing it because of fear. They're doing it because they have a passion for that thing. I tell you, I, I've shared my own story, but I just share because it's personal. I'm not trying to brag. It's just personal. It's I have a passion for ministry. So when I'm reading the word or even when I'm visiting, sometimes I, I was I was I was calling people the other day that I haven't seen in a while. And I was like, because I have a passion for those people we haven't seen who may be hurting and have a desire for. I was doing it out of obligation, out of fear, because I had a passion for that. And then after that, I studied and it was late in the night and I forgot lose track of time. Have you ever done something you lose track of time? That's something you have a passion for. And I hope that the only thing that is is not watching TV. <laughs> you should have a passion for more things than streaming and binge-watching television. But you ought to have a passion, something that you're working on, something that, that, that stimulates your mind, something, and that's how the Word should operate, seeking after God and seeking after His Word. That's how it should operate in your heart. If, 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 I, if I'm sick on Sunday and I don't make it to church, I'm going to find a way to, to get some word because I have a passion for it. And I love y'all, but I don't want y'all to have a passion for me. I want you to have a passion for God's word. I love y'all. I do. I love every, every one of you. But your passion shouldn't be for me because people disappoint you. But if you have a passion for God's word, you'll keep going after it even when people disappoint you. Because I have a passion for the word. I have a passion for the word. And I heard T.D. Jake say it. And when I thought about him saying it, I was like, yeah, that's, that's how I look at the word as well. He said, I can get happy about what a preacher tried to say. <laughs> they may not have even said it right. They might not have even used the right scripture. But he said, I have such a passion for the word. He said, I get happy about what they're trying to say. What I'm telling you is even when you hear the word today, maybe it doesn't strike you right on the bullseye, but you ought to pick up the words yourself and say, yeah, that's what I needed right there. 
Because you don't have a passion for performance. You don't have a passion for emotionalism. You don't have a passion for anything else but getting to the root of what God's word says and how it applies to your life. That's why I, I love when, when, I, when I have an experience with the word. That my favorite experience with the word when someone shares something with me. It's not that, oh, that was a great sermon. Oh, that was, that was wonderful. That, that's nice. I appreciate that. My, my greatest expression that you guys give to me is like, it's when you say I needed that. Because that tells me, first of all, you've identified your need. You already know that you're in need of something, which tells me you are already seeking after it. And then after hearing the word, it led you in the direction of what you needed. Identify the need. You can't say I need it until, unless you know that you need something. But then when you know you need something, and God's word will help point you in the direction of that which you need, which you can always find in Him. You don't find it in church. You don't find it in me. You don't find it in my sermon presentation. But it leads you to what you need to find in God. And that's what you have a passion for. Love your bright temple, but don't have a passion for the brick and mortar. Don't have a passion for the name of the church, but have a passion for God. Have a passion for his word. So I'm seeking after what God's word wants me to do. And his word should give me some instruction. His word should illuminate, show me the path. That's what David says. Lord, let thy word be a light into my path. Why do you need a light on your path? You need a light because the path is headed in a direction that you don't know where you're going. And you can't see your way. So, Lord, I'm trusting that your word will show me where I need to go. Show me what I need to do. Word should give you instruction. It should make you feel good about where you are. I don't need a light to tell me where I already am. If you all turn all the lights off in this building and I'm not moving anywhere, I don't need light for that. I know where I am. Don't need light to stay where I am. I need light to help show me where I'm going. Come on in here with me now. I need light to show me where I'm going. If the only lights that worked on your car are the interior lights and it was dark, you'd be in trouble. Because the interior lights just illuminate where you are. The most important lights on your car are the headlights. Because they illuminate where you're going. So that's why I, I, I pray that when I, when I pray with you. Lord, let your word be a light. Let your word illuminate where I'm going. Because I don't need a light where I am. Because I won't always be here, baby. Won't always be here. I won't always be in this position. I won't always be where I am. And somebody who's going through something right now ought to get happy right there. I won't always be right here. I don't need a spotlight to highlight where I am. I need headlights to show me where God is trying to take me. Somebody point at your neighbor and say, turn your headlights up. Turn your, turn your, 
Turn your headlights. So many people want spotlights to feel grand where they are. But let me tell you something. The, the, the spotlight won't move with you. The spotlight won't show you where you're going. The spotlight only tells you where you are. So while you're seeking the spotlight, baby, you need to shut down that selfishness, that self-aggrandizement right there and ask God to turn on the headlights so I can know where you desire me to go. Because I refuse to stay here. Uh, the reason God woke me up this morning is not so that I can stay where I am. But the light of God's word helps to show me where I'm going. So I some point at your neighbor again and say, turn the headlights on. Because you won't always be where you are. Or point at somebody and say, you won't always be where you are right now. But God's word is taking you somewhere. God's word is showing you something that you have not seen before. And the word said, I have not seen and the ear have not heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man. Somebody say the good thing that God has for his people. And now unto him, somebody say able, who's able to do exceeding abundantly above. Oh, that I can ask a thing. Turn your headlights on. God's taking you somewhere. Turn your headlights on. God's trying to show you something. Turn your headlights on. Because you won't always be where you are right now. Come on, put those hands together and stand here. us something. He's trying to illuminate where, where we're going. Notice you have headlights to show you where you go. And the taillights just tell people behind you <laughs> that you're in front of them. don't help you drive. Tell lights show other people where you are. <laughs> and David said, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know why that you have haters? Because they can see your taillights. They see your tail lights. That light's not for you. I wish I get this that light is for other people. In fact, have you ever had a tail light out and you didn't even know it was out? Somebody else had to tell you why? Because the headlights, the tail light's not for you. The tail light is for other people. Point at somebody and say, "My tail light is for you." <laughs> My tail light is to show you <laughs> where I am. But the headlight is for me. Somebody say when we say the headlight is for me. Headlight's for me. It's for me. It's for me. 
headlight is for me. It's showing me where God wants me to go. Lord, let thy word be a headlight unto my path and show me the way that you have me to go. Come on, put those hands together and give God some credit. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this moment. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your people. Lord, let us have a thirst and an appetite for you. Let us not lose our thirst for your word. Let us truly be committed to you because we serve not by fear, but we serve with passion. We serve because we thirst and hunger to be closer to you every day. And Lord, we thank you for today, for another chance to show our thirst, to show our appetite for you. Another chance for us to get just a little closer to you. And Lord, as a reward, you'll give us your word. Your word that will trigger the headlights to show us the way that you'd have us to go. And for that, Lord, we just say thank you. We say thank you. We say thank you. We say thank you. We say thank you. Because, Lord, your headlights to me is an indication that I still have purpose. Your headlights to me is to show me that I'm not stuck where I am right now. Your headlights shows me, Lord, that you have more for me. This is not my final destination. There's another chapter in my life. There's another page in my story. There's yet things for me to accomplish, so I must live and not die while my headlights are on so that I can follow the direction and path that your word will take me. And again, for that, Lord, I simply say thank you. Lord, give us strength to follow our headlights on this week. Give us strength to cause us to reorganize our priorities and to put you highest amongst our passions. Let our thirst and our hunger and our appetite, Lord, be only for you. And you said, Lord, if we seek your kingdom first, all the other things that we desire shall be added to us. And Lord, we pray all these things in our son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Come on, put those hands together. For those of you who have been watching us virtually, we pray God's blessing over your life until we shall see you again. God bless you. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Give a Fun. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.